Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Rum Society at Kanye Rum Bar, we had Josh Allen from Lemon Heart in the house. Boom! Some serious rum going down. We tried the Lemon Heart 1804, the Lemon Heart 151, which continues to blow my mind every time, and then their spiced expression, the Black Pool Spiced Rum. It was a delicious evening. Check out this podcast and tell your friends who want to learn more about the spirits they love. The Spirit Guide Society podcast wants to be enjoyed responsibly. That means listen to us while you drive, but please don't do this tastings on your dashboard. Thank you. So, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Josh, tell us a little bit about this brand, because I, I personally, this is one of the first rums that I ever fell in love with. Sure. I guess first and foremost, right, Lemon Heart falls into uh, uh, a, a subset of rums, if you will, a category called Demerara rums. Um, probably we should start off by yeah, kind of talk, I like ironing that out, talking about that a little bit. Uh, I, I hate just kind of like going on and on and on. Anybody, anybody, anybody know what that reference is when we're talking about a Demerara rum and what that is? Anybody? Sugar? Uh, it, 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 it is a sugar. It's a sugar that comes from a specific place, which is the same place the rum comes from. Uh, what do you think? Demerara River? Demerara River. Demerara River Valley, right, which is in? Jordan. No. But that was good. I like that. Like some Middle Eastern rum. That'd be hot. Uh, I like that. So, so uh, for, the, for those of you that just didn't want to say anything out loud, because I know a couple of you knew exactly what the answer was, but um, Demerara the de refers to the Demerara River Valley, which is in uh, Guyana. Guyana is a, a country on the northern coast of South America. Um, there is a British Guiana, French Guiana, so British Guiana is English-speaking. That's where this comes from. And what Demerara is referring to is this rich 300-plus, almost 400-year history of growing sugarcane and making rum from it in this area of Guyana. Now, um, in the middle of the 1600s, like the 1650s, was the, you know, obviously the British colonial period. I mean, the first, uh, the first Brits to land here were like right, right, you know, what, 1620? Was that when Plymouth Rock happened? But uh, in the Caribbean, um, the, uh, the British were reaching out, were talking about like, you know, sugar trade became a thing. Uh, and in the middle of the 1600s, you have literally hundreds of, of sugar plantations um, growing in, in Guyana. And way back when, every single one of them had a proprietary still. And that is to say that every single one of them was running a mechanism where you could convert uh, fermented cane juice uh, or molasses into a full-blown spirit, right? They, they, this, this, this grew up over the course of this, the middle 1600s into the 1700s into the middle 1700s, and every single one of these sugar plantations had these proprietary stills. Um, what is sort of interesting going forward about this is that at this point right now, in 2019, there is one single distillery uh, operating in Guyana in the Demerara uh, River Valley, um, and that is Diamond Distillery. And Diamond Distillery produces Lemon Heart, right? And Diamond Distillery also produces El Dorado, 
a lot of people know Eldorado, right? That's mm -hmm. kind of like the uh, higher age statement, more expensive Demerara rum on the market. And there are a couple others. Uh, there's a lot of stock produced in that area that's blended into rums all over the world. Uh, Pusser's, uh, Skipper, like springs to mind. Demerara is, a, is, it falls just short of being a, a DO, right? And a DO, a designated origin, a denomination of origin, is a, is a protected area. And we talk about things like cognac comes from a specific area and is made in a specific way in France. Champagne, same thing, is a, is a sparkling white wine made in a specific area in a specific way. Um, and they're protected. Now, there isn't like a full-blown DO, but when we talk about Demerara rums, it's coming from sugarcane grown in the Demerara River Valley in Guyana, uh, and the rum's made from that. Um, and made from cane juice or made from molasses? Well, it can be made from either, but most specifically, we're talking about a molasses-based rum. Mm -hmm. So molasses is a byproduct of sugar production, effectively, and is used, you know, in whatever we make you know, cookies and all sorts of cooking and baking products and whatever, it's molasses. Mm -hmm. But uh, molasses, you know, there, there are essentially two major ways of making rum. One is to press sugarcane and, and, and ferment and pot distill fresh pressed cane juice that is commonly called agricole, uh, which, is, uh, which is like a French Caribbean rum typically. And then there are the rums that are what we know as Americans most often, like, you know, the, the big names that everybody is familiar with, like Bacardi and such, these are rums that are based in molasses, right? They make, it's a byproduct of, of boiling sugarcane, collecting crystals, making molasses, and then they mix it up into a fermented mash and distill it, and that's what becomes rum. It's made from a sugar byproduct. Uh, so. So what's the first mark we're gonna try tonight? The first one that we're gonna try is called Lemon Heart 1804. Uh, this is an 80 proof uh, dark British Navy style rum is what they refer to the rums that come out of this portion as the, of the world as, which, you know, we'll get into. Which means super strong, because those British sailors, they, they don't like it when you water down their rum. They get they really don't. upset. They don't. They don't. So this is going to be some high proof <laughs> juice. This one is an 80 proof. We're going oh, okay. to their, okay. we're gonna get up to their 151. <laughs> we're going to jump right, right the fuck up to 151 in a second. But uh, Yeah, this could be a really, really cool exercise. So... Stylistically, you would say, is this closer to, I mean, it's its, it's, its own style then. The Demerara style is its own kind of style, right? It's different from Cuban style. It is. It's different from the rums that are coming out of Martinique. It is. This is, would you call it like kind of British sailor rum or what, what's the category in your mind? I'm just trying to take it slow and not, not, not divulge too much information all at once, right? <laughs> <laughs> I want everybody to get some rum in their hands, right? That's right. But, um... That term, that, that you say British Navy style rum, uh, means, means a couple of things. <clears throat> and that is uh, what Lemonheart at its, at its core is. We, we can talk about this now. But um, so Lemonheart as a brand has a lot of history. And the name of this expression is 1804, which is the actual year that uh, Lemonheart and Sons was founded. Um, the, the name of the brand, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about this is the original family member that started the brand as we know it today, more or less. His name was Lemon, spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, or like Lemon, or Lemon to his friends. His last name was Hart. He sort of inherited a rum trader business from his grandfather. So this goes back to like the 1720s. Mm -hmm. uh, he took over in, in the 1750s, 60s, 
Um, he first got involved in the business and inherited this, this tradition of buying rum stock from all over the world and warehousing it and trading it out. By earlier even than that, we, I actually already mentioned like the middle of the 1600s, but by the middle of the 1600s, the British Navy, which was like the big badass military force in the world at that time, um, was already providing rum to their sailors. This was already like a thing that was going on, right? You just were allotted a certain amount of rum every day for, you know, tending to your duties. Um, and uh, it was up to like a pint back in the back in like the 1650s, a mm -hmm. fucking pint of rum to get, to get your shit done. And there's, there's, it's only one way to run a ship, bro. There's only one way. Just That's with a nice big pint of rum in your hand. Uh, pint just glass. Cools you right off. It's really soothing. It's really uh, refreshing. They called it pressing you into service, right? It, it prevents mutiny. Prevents mutiny. They just keep you drunk. Um, <laughs> interestingly, the term proof in spirits is, uh, is largely related to this phenomenon of rum rations in the British Navy. So Navy rum, historically, is at 114 proof, 57% alcohol by volume, right? Um, and the deal there was it was high enough in alcohol content that if you were drinking your rum ration and spilling it on your gunpowder to load the cannons with and all that, it was still uh, flammable enough so that like it wouldn't matter if you got it wet, it'd still light and blow up. Like That was fine. a safety issue. It's a safety your... issue. Sure, like if you had a barrel of rum that broke open, you don't want it to... We think of safety issues now, but yeah. Come on. If you, you know, wet gunpowder doesn't work unless you get that rum nice and high proof. You don't want to screw up your armaments. Yeah, it's super important not to screw up your armaments when you're drinking your pint. <laughs> That's delicious. Yeah, so, so I mean, largely the, the idea of proof was the fact that, like, when the officers in the ship were handing out the rum rations, that the sailors would hold a match to it and see if, see it, see if it ignited. And if it did, that was proof that it was as strong as it was supposed to be. Otherwise, there was a mutiny and the officers were forced off the plank. Uh, I mean, at least feasibly, right? I, I don't know the practicality of that because I wasn't a British sailor in the 1750s, but whatever. Um, that's neither here nor there. So, so that's where that, that idea of like proof and Navy rum comes from. But m more important historically to the brand Lemonheart, it is the first official rum chosen by the Admiralty of the British Royal Navy. So from the 1650s on, they were always providing rum at a certain strength from wherever they could get it to their sailors. But in the, like by the end of the 18th century, like the late 1700s, when Lemon Hart had been, had taken over running, you know, the, the, the family business, he basically made a huge sale and got the British Navy to go like, okay, cool, we'll just, we'll just feed them your rum from now on. So this is wow. what the, the brand was based on. It's the first official rum that had a contract with the British Navy to keep the sailors drunk and in service, right? Hey, <laughs> hey, Lemon Heart. <laughs> but that wouldn't have this. That wouldn't have been this because this is only eighty. Yeah, this proof. is only eighty proof. So this is, so this is the proof that Americans are used to drinking. That you know, like you would typically drink your rum and coke with. But uh, just as a stylistic flavor profile sort of thing. It's important to understand that Demerara is like so many other things in the spirits or the wine world, terroir driven. The Demerara River is sitting in a basin so that this distillery is actually operating below sea level. They open air ferment. 
the mash. It, it's just par part of the fermentation happens where they just, they're leaving the vat out and they're not using a, a like a store-bought yeast. They're using what happens naturally to an open container left in that environment for a couple of weeks. Are they also using like some kind of dunder in that process? Like if you're not going to add any yeast, then you probably need to use some of your previous batch of fermentation in order. Fermentation? Yeah, I would think. If, if you, to, to survive off of just naturally occurring yeast alone, it, it'll happen, but it might take longer. So you probably want to put some of your previous fermentation in your new batch in order to encourage that fermentation to again take up and go faster. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, you can wait around for enough natural yeast to do its thing, but it could take weeks. That's what they do, like, say, in, in Oaxaca. They don't add any yeast to some of those Oaxacan mezcals, but they have to wait like three weeks for the fermentation to happen. Yeah, I would think that in a more industrialized process, they want to speed all of that up. He's definitely referencing that process where they're, where they're using, I mean, it's kind of like the, uh, the sourdough approach. There's also, it doesn't always just have to come from dunder pits. There's this funk, this gunk that comes out of the fermentation tanks and it looks just like tar, you know? but it's basically, it's yeast cells that have digested and then died, but then they can take that gunk and use it in the next batch of fermentation and it kind of gives that prime yeast strain a, a little bit of a head start in the whole fermentation process. There's, there's oftentimes, and this is kind of getting into that real like rum geeky world with it, but- <laughs> That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for, right? So, so, so when he says dunder for a lot of, a lot of times when people talk about the Jamaican rum tradition, how that's made, there's there's two different things. There's there's dunder, which a lot of people confuse with what the Jamaicans colloquial, colloquially, I've been drinking. Can, you did it. You said that whole word. It's good. Uh, referred to as muck, right? So so, dunder, is the spent mash like left in the still, right? And dunder is often thrown into pits outside of the distillery and combined with spent sugar cane, rotting banana. They talk about like throwing goats into them and it's all the, of this. The sweet, the sweet drippings. Yeah, it's all the sweet <laughs> drippings. All, the, all, all that Thanksgiving gravy that rum contributes to. But, but um, then they throw it into the, the fermenting mash to kick up high esters. And what's really cool about, I don't know if it's really cool, but I'm going to reference it that way. I'll leave you guys to decide if you give a shit or not. But uh, as far as Diamond Distillery, which is the distillery that's coming out of in, in, in Guyana, um, there's, there's kind of a, a, a parallel, uh, there are two plants. There's like an old plant and a new plant. A new plant has state-of-the-art production facilities. But then they have the old plant, which is still very much a part of their production. The new plant has a lot of um, column still and what they call like hybrid stills now. Mm -hmm. and there's so much of that. But the old plant, which is still very much a part of the production here, is what's really interesting about the whole Demerara um, like tradition of rum making. As I mentioned earlier, like all of these sugar plantations had their own proprietary stills that were different from one another, and they were making rum out of their own like locally grown sugarcane. So Diamond Distillery, and this this starts, um, I want to say in like right after kind of World War II ended, where more and more distilleries in that area, more and more sugar production are, are, are slowed down and cut down and closed. And 
more and more of all those, we're talking about all of these like literally hundreds of different stills and different proprietary uh, plant, plantation rums. Know that I'm not talking about plantation, the brand right now when I say that, but sugar plantation made uh, single estate sort of rums that are made all over Guyana. They're closing down and Diamond Distillery where this is made started selecting like specific equipment that was really special throughout the region and moving that equipment into their facility. And they house it there to this day and it's not a museum, they're still using it. That's crazy. It's kind of what's really, really special about Demerara rums, about Lemonheart, about some of the stock that goes into El Dorado and Pusters. Let's get another, should we get some more going well, around? We didn't even, yes. what? Did we taste, we didn't even taste this yet, Josh? The 80? What should we talk about? We talk about the cyber profile. Going on and on. This is ridiculous. Oh my god! I was trying, man. You're like the horse is running down the road. This guy drank his. You gotta, oh god! You gotta stop me and drink your rum. Jeez. Drink your rum, people. Oh my god! We're gonna have a rum revolution happening here. Well, hold on. No, hold on. No, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the rum. Stick your nose in that glass. Breathe in jelly through your mouth. What do you experience as you smell this 80 proof lemon heart rum? Where are those caramels? Where are those caramels? Bananas? Yeah, I get bananas foster. Like burnt sugar with that with those bananas. In general, when you talk about a Demerara rum, that's the sort of flavor profile that you default to is that these tend to be smokier, maybe a bit earthier and woodier than a lot of other rums that are produced in different areas in different ways. And there's a very specific reason for that, which gets back to kind of like what I was just getting into, is that mm -hmm. Diamond Distillery has all of these proprietary stills that they still make like lemon heart is not one rum off one still it's a combination of about five different stills and different batches of rum batted together in a specific way and some of those old stills are like 250 year old stills they're 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 like 150 yeah, yeah. they can be really old and they can be yep. really funky but the idea being that each of those stills is going to produce a different flavor profile. So then in-house, in this one distillery, you're able to create a bunch of different styles of rum that you can then blend together and control the flavor profile a lot more, which makes for Absolutely. really cool, interesting rums. Yes. Um, some releases that come out of Diamond is, is pretty cool. Like, when you, like if you look at some older bottles of El Dorado, if you look carefully all over the labeling, you'll start to see these like distillery codes that are on there. And that's, that isn't to say that they're being made in different distilleries like it's secondary. They're all being made at Diamond, but they're still referencing the specific stills and the plantations that those stills came from. And the point is that these, these, these rums that are used in the blending are made in very, very specific ways on specific stills. And, and that is to say, like, look, this, this, is some, this is some super, like, rum geeky stuff. But if you, if you do get into the world of like independent bottled rums. Thank you, miss. And you go and like, there are definitely some on the, on the shelf here, like the Duncan Taylors and the Samaroli, of course, is a really well-known independent bottler. But if you get into that, like you'll occasionally come across bottles where if you, if you, if you kind of know what you're looking at, you're like, holy shit, this is, a, this is a bottle of rum that was made 30 years ago, maybe at a rum distillery that just doesn't even exist anymore. And that's, that's kind of cool. It's kind of sexy. You know what I mean? Like, if this is your, if this is your thing, if spirits is your thing, like if this is the 151 guys that you're getting right now. This Whoa. Is, this is 75.5% alcohol by volume. I, I will pitch this to you as being a sippable 151. 
That's why it's so good. That's it's why delicious. I fell in love it's with some it. There's some actual flavor profile to it. It's got, it's got some real flavor, you know? Um, I remember John Coulthard turned me on to this rum in this bar, and I could not believe that it was 151. I, that's why I fell in love with that. I was like, there's no way that that is actually 151 because it doesn't, it doesn't strike you like that at all. That is an accomplishment to have such a big bang for the buck but have it be utterly sippable. To me, I love that. I love that. I, I, I drink a lot of, like, obviously, like, sing, I mean, you know, single cast scotches, right? Like, independently bottled stuff that comes in around, like, 120. And, you know, that's still really high. If you have an alcohol problem like I do. Like, 80 proof tastes like water at this point. But, you know, whatever. That's... That's for me to deal with in a meeting. Um, but uh, I'll see you there tomorrow morning. But my morning. point is, like, this is 151. <laughs> this is 151, and, like, you can kind of just sip on it, right? I mean, so, so one, the Lemon Heart 151 is probably made most famous by, like, the classic tiki, tiki recipes, like the Don the Beachcomber zombie, like, calls for 151. And, you know, there, there are other ones. And when they say Demerara 151, they mean Lemonheart 151. Lemonheart has gone through lots of ownership and formulation changes. But right now, like, the, the ownership of the brand was very much dedicated to doing a return to heritage version of this. So this is single estate Demerara sugarcane made in these different proprietary stills that I was talking about. And... To give you a specific idea, I was talking about that old plant at Diamond Distillery, right? And some of the stills that this is operating on are like, and I'll, I'm just going to throw some, some specifics out at you, right? There's a stainless steel four column, like, fr like it's a French column still that came out of, uh, actually this is a ridiculous one if you, if you know anything about like rum and Guiana. There's a there's a village. It's the, the spelling is impossible. You'll never pronounce it the right way, but it's it's spelled like U I T V G U L T. Outfult is how you actually pronounce it. And if you if you're into single cask rums and you see that one, like it's a big deal because it doesn't exist anymore. But like that still is in this distillery now, and they use it. Um, the original like diamond distillery still is this really really old stainless steel column still single column still um they have the world's oldest wooden coffee still now coffee still is kind of what that's what became the column still but the coffee still is specifically a couple of columns and this one is wood right yeah, and it's got wood planks on the side and a copper bottom and it is the craziest thing because you would think like that's a really bad idea yeah you're gonna like expose it to heat yeah, like a big wooden still, yeah. but it's lasted for over 100 years. It's, yeah, it's, it's been an operation. Still. It's been a continual operation for over like 150 years now. And part of the whole profile of Demerara rum is because it's all coming out of the same place on this combination of stills. They also have a single uh, wooden copper still. Like that, that, uh, that old wooden column still is from a distillery called Enmore that doesn't exist anymore. This single wooden, they have a single wooden pot still that came out of a distillery called Versailles, just like from the French. There was uh, a, there's a double wooden, wooden pot still that they use from a distillery called Port Morant. And they have this collection of like these, antiques I mean, it's a bit stills, of history. Yeah. They're antiques and they're still making rum on them. That's right. And when, you know, <clears> these, <throat> these batches of pot still rum that are coming off these wooden pot stills, these, these heavy rums blended with these like, mid rums coming off the the 
the wooden column stills and the, and the stainless steel column stills are producing really light-bodied rums. And it's a blend of three, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old rums that are all coming in to make this, which is then brought down with water to 80 proof, which is the first one you had. Right? So let's try this 151. What do you guys get? Stick your nose in that glass and go slow. At 151, you might just say, I only smell alcohol. So slow it down. Marzipan, beautiful. Yeah, I like to breathe in really gently through my mouth, so I'm cooling those alcohol vapors over the back of my palate. So go slow, because this is go strong, fly. strong rum. What do you wow. got? Say again? I smell like graham crackers too, like yeah. graham crackers and, and, and chocolates. Good. Carrot cake, wow. Oh yeah. That makes sense, man. The frosting and the nutty, the nuts and the, yeah. I like that. It's, it's funny, that raisiny context, it almost comes off like, like cast drink sherry cast scotch. Like it's, it's there, like there's a, there's a comparative flavor note. Yeah, I totally get that sherry. It's like nutty. It's got an intense nuttiness and toffee. Yeah, like, like yeah, and it like a really, really intense toffee. That is amazing. So, yeah, right? Oh, I just tried it. Yeah, it's hard. It's got some kick. It's got some kick. So let's talk about like what reminds me of like you know when you take a sip of a coffee and it's just a little too hot. Oh yeah. Temperature wise, it kind of does the same thing to my tongue, but it's not actually like physical heat, but it does that same kind of like. Ooh, all right. Oh shit, I took that a little too fast. Those are your polymodal nociceptors at work, right there. Polymodal nociceptors. So you have polymodal nociceptors, polymodal nociceptors, polymodal nociceptors, polymodal nociceptors, polymodal nociceptors. Dropping the mic. All right, I'm out, guys. Um, no, no, no. Polymodal nociceptors. So you've got all your taste buds. You've got several different kinds of taste buds. They all taste different things, and, and some people have a lot of taste buds on their tongue. Other people might have not as many. But we all have these polymodal nociceptors that are actually taste buds that secrete saliva and why do they secrete saliva is because when you take something really hot in your mouth or mint or chilies those kind of things they want to kind of get that out they want to water it down so you can deal with it and so that's what the sensation you're having is like you get this 151 spirit in your mouth and your body you know we haven't been drinking this kind of spirit forever so like yeah, your kind of animal instinct is like, like get this out of my mouth yeah it's just it's got serious kick to it but that's that. It's that's how you put out the burn. Is your your polymodal nociceptors go to work? That is amazing. I want to talk about what an incredible bargain this rum is. How much is it for a bottle of that eighty? Uh, probably like twenty two to twenty five dollars, depending on where you buy it. No. Yeah. 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 And, and how much is the one fifty one? Uh, like thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. So rum, in my opinion, is like. It's rum. Right? Yeah. And Americans don't give a shit. Let's be honest. It's yeah. Too bad, well, it's, it's crazy in Europe. They're experiencing double digit growth yes, they are. in rum. You go to Scotland right now, and we could be in, the, in whiskey heaven, and you go to the actual pubs, and people are drinking rum drinks. True. It's really, really popular there now. Really we just true. haven't really caught on to it as much. No, but I think happened here, and it just stopped that whole. <laughs> like it's there's plenty of room for all of it. There is. There's plenty. Everybody can have their favorites. It's all good. So, what do you guys think of this 151? Pretty brilliant rum, yeah. 
definitely, definitely. Oh yeah, it's got it's got a it's got a texture to it. It's it's you know it really grips oh, yeah, your there's, palate. There's just it's just weighty. Man. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's viscous and it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's viscous and it's kind of granular at the same time. It's got yeah, it both is. things going on. It's got a lot. So Stephanie's coming around with the third yeah. mark for tonight. Josh, what is this third mark that we're about to try? Hey, how about spice drum? Ooh. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a great history to spice drum. There is. Uh, from what I know about spice drummers, is traditionally it's a party rum. Like people use spice drum around the holidays for for special festivals, you know, those kind of things. That's when you bust out the spice drum. I, am I correct? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely. I, I mean, my understanding is that it kind of stems from a tradition of um, taking something that was really high in proof and difficult to just put back, and adding a whole bunch of flavors on top of it. Um, What's nice about the product you're getting is that it's actually naturally spiced. Uh, they're just—they're literally adding a bunch of steeped botanicals in the way that a Thank gin might know. do. Um, this is Woo. slightly. This is like 86 proof, not 80. Um, and uh, well, I mean, it's Blackpool Spice Rum by Lemonheart. Uh, it's a reference to where the company started out. Well, I want to back up. Like, what is the cooperage on this rum? Like. Where, what kind of barrels are they using to mature this rum in? What is the average age of that 151 and the 80? And where are they getting their barrels? So the bar barrels are all exclusively ex-bourbon. Um, I don't know that they, were, they are sourcing the barrels from any specific place. Uh, couldn't say. It would just be a random guess. Let's say Jim Beam. It's all Jim Beam. Who cares? No, I don't. I don't. But it's all ex-bourbon. Um, and... Uh, as far as the relative age of the 151 and the 80, um, as far as I know, the blending components go up to seven years. Uh, but it could be young as three. Um, and it's stock coming off a bunch of different stills. Um, as far as the Blackpool, there's no reason to think that the blending stock is different, but I don't know for certain as far as this one goes. I do know that there are no artificial sweeteners or, uh, I mean, a lot of s spiced rum. But no no synthetic flavors yeah, in here? there's no synthetic flavors. It's all naturally spiced. I mean, what does everybody get out of this? Like, it, to me, it's just kind of like, it's it's kind of almost already like rum and cola, like without being rum and cola. Vanilla bean, toffee. Vanilla bean, toffee. Like, right. Yeah, it reminds me of things like root beer and cream soda, right? Did I you mean, see some of the botanicals they're putting in there when you went there? No, they're secretive about it. Oh, weird. What do you guys think of this black pool lemon heart spiced rum? Nice. Wow. Right? Make a great punch. Like, I could see a milk punch with this that would just blow minds. Yeah, milk punch. Oh, maybe yeah. It, oh. almost, it, almost, it almost feels and tastes lactic, doesn't it? Yeah, like, it, it goes, it, it wants some milk. It definitely is like, it wants, it wants some milk. Like, Ooh, this is like, this is going to sound really weird, but it kind of reminds me a little bit like tamarind and mozzarella. Ooh, nice. Tamarind and mozzarella, that's excellent. What are you guys getting on this spice from? Any guesses as to what kind of botanicals you think might be in here? <laughs> they would not give me anything resembling a botanical mash. It's almost like kind of like a too. Yeah, it's something really tannic. 
Or lavender. Oh, yeah, I like lavender. I like lavender or maybe orange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a shade, but it makes blue. Excellent. I bet that's in there. Maybe some orange as well. There's definitely orange peel in it. Actually, mm-hmm. now that you say that, mm-hmm. I, I know that that's a component. That's what I'm getting. Vanilla, so, vanilla bean, orange peel. That's delicious. That's one hell of a special. Room. How much is that going to run me a bottle at my local liquor store? Like, uh, th- like thirty to thirty-two, probably. I don't know. Depends wow. On the, yeah, they're they're all inexpensive rums. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really amazing to me. It's really amazing yeah. rum from an incredible distillery where they're doing you know these heritage process. It's incredible that it's still so cheap and so easy to get your hands on. Yeah, it totally is. I wish more people would. <laughs> well, so get some lemon heart for your home bar. Ask him for lemon heart, and when yeah. they go like, "What's lemon heart?" Go like, <laughs> <laughs> "No, I, I feel bad about it." The thing is, it when you go into your mom pop liquor stores, if they don't have something on the shelf, always ask because they're always almost ask. always willing to order it for you. Yeah. They've got nothing to lose if they don't sure. sell you a bottle; they'll sell it to somebody else. So they usually will order it if you ask for it. And it doesn't take long to get a couple days. But I mean, in the overall LA area, like you can you can pretty much buy this anywhere at this point. Uh, like even Bevmo gets the 151, I'm pretty sure. I don't know about the other ones, but yeah, you, you can you can get it at any like solid liquor store. You can't go into like the corner junior market and get it, but you know. Yeah, so yeah, you can get it anywhere and the price point is pretty stable. Yeah, so it's all relatively inexpensive, really high-quality stuff. Yes, so get some for your home bar, but with that 151 proof, make sure your your crazy friends don't get a hold of it because, like, <laughs> definitely can kind of get you 0 to 60 really fast, really fast. I'm feeling it, and I didn't even – that, like, it just absorbed through the skin of my mouth. I didn't <laughs> – <laughs> Don't drink, uh, don't drink near open flames. <laughs> That's true. Don't it's even true. breathe near an open flame now, dude. Turn around. Look at that. Don't do that. <laughs> Just... Yeah, so there's a whole tradition to dipping your cigars in rum, you know? It's, uh, it's a total thing. You dip the, dip the tips of your... the. Yeah, it was just for flavor. So a lot of people like to dip their cigars into their rum. Don't do that with the 151. Not such a good idea. It's like... Your hair catches on fire. You'll know what I mean. Yeah, right. Well, right on. Let's give it up for Miss Josh Allen coming out tonight from Living Heart Rum in Guyana. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. 